The Insurance Brokers Podcast is brought to you by Sarah Myerscoff of Boston Tullis. Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerscoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Welcome to the first collaboration between the Insurance Brokers Podcast and the Glowshore Business Chat. Wes and Bex, I'm very excited to be chatting to you today. Thank you very much for joining me and for agreeing to collaborate between our podcasts. Yeah, we're excited. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, we're excited too. Looking forward to it. So for those people that don't know either me or um, don't know Bez and Wex from Glowshore, uh, we've been working together for a little while. And one of the topics of conversations that we work on quite a lot is around this sort of customer journey um, or customer, I suppose, customer journey and how does the insurance industry and the, I suppose, the business industry get that right for uh, their customers and there is so much happening in the world of tech and and algorithms and and data and I think Amazon are, are one of the well there's a reason they've just been valued at over a trillion or Jeff, Jeff Bezos is over a trillion and that's because they've done everything from a user um, outcome uh, it's planned from the user's uh, perspective so with that as an idea of what we want to chat about, I know you guys have done quite a lot around customer journeys and spent yesterday with post-it notes in your garden shack. Tell me more about it. <laughs> so, yes, um, customer journey to us is really important and it's a, an ever ongoing process to improve upon. Um, technology is very much at the forefront, I think, at the moment of uh, innovation within the insurance market. One key factor for us being a, a local broker is that personal service, which technology may not provide to clients um, uh, at the moment or at present, let's put it that way. But yeah, yesterday was interesting in the shack, post-it notes. Um, <laughs> it was very much part of the customer journey and how we can improve that. Yeah, it's evolving all the time, isn't mm. it? It's a constant. Um, and, you know, just as you think, yes, I've nailed that bit, or we've nailed that bit, <laughs> this is good, you know, um, you, you are constantly peeling back another layer. And it is a constant journey. It's progress all the time. Um, so there's lots of frustrations that go along with it. And I think for us, the tech, you know, we do want to be a modern broker as well. We want to make things, we want to make things easy for our staff and for our customers, um, it's hard, I think, for a local broker because we don't have the expertise ourselves um, to understand some of the tech. Um, but yeah, we're, we're definitely, we're up for that challenge, aren't we? And we're up for those improvements. And it's definitely finding that balance between how can we stay um, personal, have that personal service, that personal touch, really know our, our, our clients. Um, but innovate at the same time um so we kind of we sort of keep going back and forth at the moment don't we yeah so one we both um we both have clients uh i know you guys have some some very large uh, corporate clients and some more in the the sme clients uh, as do we 
Um, obviously, ours are particularly insurance industry. Uh, but what do you see as being some of the challenges that the smaller businesses are facing in respect of uh, customer journey type uh, thinking? I think a lot of people, the smaller companies, are chasing some of the, you know, the, the tech and just trying to make things, um, trying to keep up. It's really hard to keep up with the progress and where this is, is going. And, you know, people say, take social media. I know it's a slightly different subject, but, you know, people say now, if you're not on social media, you're going to be left behind. Um, and some of that just doesn't suit some of these smaller businesses. Um Kind of the tech social media the way the world is evolving and moving isn't for some of these these people i think you have you kind of have these camps don't you of you are going to be left behind i know for us as individuals personally take the social media thing as in an example you know that's not we're quite private individuals aren't we so we yeah. have this tussle we know we need that for the business um, but sometimes that doesn't sit right with us. So I think some some businesses might find that difficult. Um, and just the understanding, where do they go? It's such a minefield. How, you know, where do some of these SMEs in particular, you know, start with this journey? I think I'm reading a book at the moment that I've told you about offline and it's called The Future of Insurance and it's by Brian Falchuk. And he's done a case, uh, seven case studies of startups uh, in the US, and they're all uh, startup carriers or MGAs. But what has really struck me is a lot of the uh, startups, I'd probably say two thirds of the ones he talks about, are not insurers. It, the, the, the founders, the drivers behind the business have not come from an insurance background. What they've done is they've recognized a market need. So I'll give you an example. Um, one of the companies is called Thimble Insurance. The drivers were uh, logistics businessmen and they were in the States and recognized, got interested in drones when they first came out, as everybody did, um, and recognized that the um, policies for aviation uh, uh, products were not fit for purpose for drones. So started with the market need, right? Mm -hmm. um, and one of the, the very clear um, points that, that Brian makes in his book is if what, you're, if what you're selling is difficult, you haven't hit the need. So think slightly differently. And I think, so, so from my perspective, I think one of the the, the limiting factors is, is mindset and needing to know when you're being constrained. But a mm. second limiting factor is all of these businesses had to go through um, rounds and rounds of funding to raise millions in capital. Mm. And how uh, they started as startups, but that expertise has got to be quite difficult to, to find. I know we've struggled in one of the other businesses we're doing just to find the right investment partner. And also there's a massive risk in that. You know, if, I'm, if I've got three kids and two mortgages, where's the risk in going to get 1.6 million in seed capital? It's huge. What, what yeah. do you think? How do you see that around some of your clients? Because your clients, you've got a lot of clients in construction and property. So this kind of investment... Um, portfolios must be something you have a conversation about when you're talking risk and, and sort of business planning? Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of points there, actually. Um, going back to the original point about the tech. 
So we, we looked to invest uh, a couple of years ago, two years ago, mm. into um, a, a tech product, okay? And we um, were looking at another company that caught our eye that were doing something similar. Um, and then uh, effectively the, the figures that were bouted around uh, for this insure tech startup uh, was astronomical and it's actually quite eye-watering compared mm. to the investment we were looking to put into it um, to get a similar return or in fact our return would have been a lot better on, on the investment um, and, but that, that come about from having the team and the tech behind it but they developed the tech from the outset whereas we were looking to use a third party tech um, in, in the end we can get the insurer appetite that was required to go live with it um, and it actually ended up working well for us because the money that we put aside to invest in it, we're now investing in people in our team. Um, and so we're building the team to uh, not only in numbers, but also training to develop the team to then give the service that's required to our clients and to, to build our client bank. Um, and the construction industry as a whole seems to be thriving at the moment. There's, there is still a lot of money out there from capital venture companies or people that have held on to their money and invested it wisely over the last two or three years that are now looking to invest it. So the construction industry we're finding, we've got a lot of clients that are buying land um, and building new build houses, or they're looking at the commercial properties that are developing into residential. Uh, the funding for them doesn't seem to be an issue. Um, obviously other industries then that have been affected over the last couple of years, let's say, that the, the funding there has, has been cut and they're finding it quite difficult. But I think where we step in as a broker is given that expertise just to make sure that they are covered correctly. It's that old cliche, but if they don't use an expert and they go online to do it, they will trip up because mm. online has its place. But as it stands at the moment, it's not set up or geared to the more technical and the bigger businesses that yeah. actually require that personal touch. Yeah. Um, and I at, think sorry. with the construction, like you said, const let's take construction, um, you know, we've got quite a few big construction clients. And like Wes said, that industry is booming at the moment and they're off buying land. Some of them are changing. Um, so, you know, they're maybe invested in property, they're building slightly different um, uh, buildings uh, so they are diversing because yeah it's it's a really um, booming industry at the moment so what is happening is they're going off you know they're getting this deal that deal it's all it's really exciting it's moving quickly of course they're not thinking about insurance are they still insured properly they're working on different types of um, like I don't know timber frame properties as an example they've got the deal this is a really exciting project um, you know big profitable project but they haven't informed their insurance that insurance broker or insurance company that they're working on timber frame properties it's probably the last thing that enters their mind um you know because that's just not on their radar is it mm. and like you said the online going online and getting this sort of business they they're just not covered properly and i think this is where we we're different compared to say uh, if if we were all the the tech our construction clients will just phone us won't they make this change I'm working on this and doing this and that's really where that personal touch really comes into play doesn't it yeah and similar to what Beck said it's keeping in touch with them and it's keeping up to date so that there aren't any surprises uh, not just at renewal 
and I kind of I know we're going to go on a bit further, but this is where the marketing comes into it as well. Um, mm. It's having those touch points so that it's not always asking for money. It's not always saying um, we need to talk about insurance, but it's giving them something in addition as well to create and add value. Yeah, we, we um, touch points, you know, we regularly anyway with our clients, but um, at the very least we uh, contact them three months after their, their policy has renewed, then again at six months, and obviously you're then into the renewal cycle. And the reason why we do that is not to annoy them, although I'm sure it, it does annoy some people, but it's to check even just the smallest changes that have happened because they don't think to let us know, but actually could inval invalidate their policy. Um, so that's why we do that, isn't it? And that has actually been invaluable. Um, we've caught out so many things where it, if there had been a claim, they just wouldn't have been covered. Um, mm. Just by keeping in touch. Sometimes it's a very quick phone call, just a quick email. The, one of the shifts that's happening globally across industries is this shift from, um, um, I mean, consultative selling is, is, a, is a term that we've all heard, but I prefer to think of it as, as an educator. So what mm. I'm, what the, one of the shifts that I'm seeing is this movement away from uh, uh, marketing, emails, blah, 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 into education. So actually what I am doing for my clients, for my prospects is providing valuable educative content about areas that they might not otherwise know, but absolutely will be valuable, interesting, of benefit to them. Um, and, and that, when you, when you link it very uh, closely with, a, um, with an effective and an efficient sales process, is, is what seems to be making massive changes in things like, you've all seen Gary Vaynerchuk on, on LinkedIn with his, or TikTok, he's on every platform there is, with his um, short um, but sort of very direct uh, pieces of information or advice or support or education. And it, the business community, the business coaching community has gone absolutely viral with this, but it's filtering down into loads and loads of other areas but it is this emphasis on education and just going back to what we were talking about earlier when you put the customer at the center of everything so customer centric is another uh, cliche word that I hate but um, but it serves a purpose when when you're in a mindset of I'm selling insurance or I'm selling video marketing or I'm selling email campaigns the mindset is you might not hit people directly because they've got to be in the mindset of I want insurance or I, I need. Whereas when you're in a, a wider education um, orientated advice for free, I genuinely want to help, you can you you start to develop relationships and trust um, before you even get to this conversation. And that's what you guys are really talking about from, from a customer journey and your touch points is making sure that your clients are absolutely at the center of everything you do. All of your processes are, are not around making sure they renew, but they are around making sure that the products or that they have bought are absolutely fit for purpose and you can only do that if they give you the right information and they will only do that if they are educated as to what information you require to support their business so it's and that mindset is something that is coming very slowly through into the insurance industry 
um, and it's quite an interesting one. I, I see it. Uh, I see the themes of it through Brian's book, through a meeting as at yesterday, through conversations like this. I think it's really cool. interesting. Yeah, I think we've tried with our guys, haven't we, to you know, sales. Sales can be such a dirty word, and people it conjures up something not very pleasant in your mind. And insurance salespeople, um, and the way we try to look at it with our guys is, you know, you tell stories to your clients, um, which comes down to the claims, claims that we deal with, real life examples. So actually, just by telling that story, you're explaining to the client why they need this this cover. You know what could happen if they don't have it and quite often we've walked away from sales because one of one of our core values is cover over price and actually if we believe the client needs this cover and they've said no no thank you no i want the sort of cheapest premium that client isn't for us because we've learned the hard way as well that actually comes around and bites us in the backside because we deal with the claims because they'll quite quickly tell you that they want the cheapest policy um then when it comes to claim, you know, they've suddenly forgotten that they ever had that conversation mm. with you, although we recommended, you know, that cover. Um, so, yeah, we're quite specific as well on the types of clients um, that we want. So we're not the broker for everybody because we're mm. not the cheapest. Yeah. It, and to add to Bex, where we deal with claims, uh, and but we deal with claims differently to how the majority of brokers do. We are fully accountable for that customer journey from start to finish. And basically the finish would be the claim. So the start of it would be any, any form of contact, either through marketing, um, even before we have that conversation. But ultimately, people, businesses buy insurance so that if the claim occurs, they get paid out, they can carry on trading, they can carry on living their lives and they don't lose any assets. Um, and so to give you a prime example, actually, it was just for a buy to let house. It was it was nothing um, kind of spectacular or, or, or massive, which we do have lots of stories on. But it was one that happened last week. Went to a claim for a, a property. It was a landlord who's, who has a portfolio. And um, properties dealt with by a managing agent. The managing agent hadn't given us the sufficient or the correct information from the outset. We thought we had it. We went to meet the loss adjuster. And the tenant was there, which is always a nightmare. Ultimately, it meant that the claim was turned down because it was before the inception with that insurer and it changed insurers. Anyway, contacted the tenant and said, look, we're going to be meeting uh, second loss adjuster. We've had to go back to the previous insurers because the damage has started prior to inception. Um, and that one has just been agreed. So. It gives you a flavour of how we deal with claims and we actually go and meet the loss adjusters and also what helped was the second loss adjuster who I met this week. We, we've met before so we knew him so we can have a conversation um, and it just builds that relationship not only with clients but with insurers and with loss adjusters. Mm. And the second point which is completely different but where you're talking about customer journey, we were on um, a compliance webinar this week for the FCA that are bringing in or have brought in about vulnerable customers. And one of their major things at the moment is about the whole customer journey um, and how that customer is treated through that journey um, and core values of businesses. So it is, it's a big topic at the moment. Yeah, and I think one of their points as well, which they keep raising actually on this is, you know, how the industry, financial services is moving and how the tech is, is you know, coming in and how some people, they need to be able to have a route out of that. So if they're on this kind of, you know, they've bought something online, they've never actually spoken to anybody. 
you know, but then they maybe they're not understanding, they need to ask some questions, they need to be able to, like companies need to be able to provide that route out. So they can phone somebody, they can speak to somebody or email somebody, you know, there needs to be a point where that human interaction is easy enough for them to access. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think some companies aren't necessarily doing that in financial services. You know. I, I think even if you take tech, out of the forefront of this conversation mm. um, the way that uh, a lot of financial services has developed uh, it, it hasn't caught up with where we are today and mm. so the one of the examples in Brian's book is is classic okay so in America and I might get the numbers wrong but in America of all the um, properties that are at risk of in, in flood risk areas there's only something silly like five percent that are actually insured right um, and, and flooding in America is a is an increasing problem um, so it might be five it might be less than but whatever uh, yeah, a small percentage are actually insured the major uh, uh, insurer is NFIP which is a government-backed scheme of which had like 95% of that 5%, right? But the process to get that insurance, um, to get that insurance was literally as archaic as you write a check and put it in the post after going through pages and pages of posts backwards and forwards to get all of the, the documentation. <clears throat> what Neptune Flood did was look at this issue and go, right, the user journey is not fit for purpose. Let's look at Amazon and Amazon be our benchmark in terms yeah. of how easy it needs to be for the end user. And we've got two major markets. One is people that buy through NFIP. What can we do? Well, what we need to be able to do is make that onboarding process less than two minutes online, press a button, pay, get your policy. So that's, I suppose, where the tech comes in. But what they started doing was they started looking at NFIP and then just trying to undercut by 10% what that, what that uh, process was and didn't get anywhere, just made something long and laborious and uncomfortable. Mm. And it was only when they moved away from what is always done that the magic happened. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're two sort of markets to tackle where one is, you know, who, people that already buy flood insurance, but we can do it better, quicker, faster, blah. And then this 60% or whatever it is of people that don't buy but need. Um, and that's where the education comes in. What can we, you know, we need to a big movement on education about what it is, why you need it, uh, why it applies to you, what the consequences are of not doing, etc. I really, I really, I would recommend it. Actually, it's been really interesting. Listen, listening to the different case studies, and it's also about how, how every single one of them have literally started from a blank sheet of paper. Mm. Not this is the way the insurance industry yeah. works. So how does this plug in? Or this is what a broker does. So how does this plug in? Or this is what a construction person does. So how does this plug in? Literally blank sheet of paper. What is the problem? And, um, and, and why is it a problem? And then how am I going to fix it? And so much of that type of thinking is coming into business yeah. now across every industry that it's quite fascinating. And I think it's going to make some really big changes to, to all markets. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I love speaking to people like you guys who are on that journey already. That's always what you're thinking. And how can we do it? And I suppose the issue is 
when you are um, when you haven't got millions at your disposal yeah. and resources finite because you are one person or two people how can you make the best of that mm. in terms of making sure that you're out there with your customer journey and that I suppose brings us back to what we do or what you guys do with with your marketing yeah absolutely and it's um, working with you has been has been amazing for us um, no, Me too. Really has. We, we, we have that since we've been trading, which is nearly eight years now, we've been on a journey and the marketing side of it, we, we've missed most of the time. So I'm not going to lie. Spectacularly yeah. at it, really. Um, and it's, it's been a learning curve. Um, and but it's really important within like sales and marketing to get the right partners to work with. Um, mm. And like I said, it's taken us seven and a half years, well, seven years really, to find you guys. Um, and the video marketing for us was way out comfort zone. I'm not going to lie. It still is, um, isn't it? Still is it still a little is. bit. Uh, but the more you practice, the, the, the more you get used to it. I still hate seeing myself and yeah. still hate seeing my, or listening to my own voice. Um, but going back to what you said, it, it's, it's building. Uh, the the video is more personal to go out to prospects, to potential leads. And it, it's given those golden nuggets that aren't necessarily insurance related. And the way that the culture of our business is that even if we don't um, ultimately get the sale, if that gives a golden nugget to a potential lead and then they can grow and develop from it, then it's just good all round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's what we've learned is having or, or using our minds and um, putting out that information which is in here and it's always in here, but. It's actually uh, getting trying it to out. articulate it in a way that comes back to education as well, Absolutely. doesn't it? Trying to articulate yeah. it in a way that people will understand, because quite often, we, you know, even sometimes we get documents from an insurer, and kind of looking and thinking, are they covered for this or aren't they? You know, and how is a client supposed to understand that if we're struggling and we're the experts? And um, they're actually trying to make it. And with the, you know, one of our strap lines that we say, and it's it's not just a strap line because this is actually what we believe, isn't it? But making it easy for the client so every is there a us we always want to make it easy and that's mainly because as well that's how we live our life isn't it <laughs> so. have you found i mean with the best will in the world there are not many um social situations where one would want to bring up commercial insurance and and their <laughs> particular feelings and experience with it so uh, it's not um uh, a topic that probably excites a massive amount of people. So is there, is there a piece in this that doing the video stuff just makes it that much more engaging? Yeah, I, I believe it does. Um, and it's, once you see, uh, it's always best to meet someone, okay? Once you meet someone, you mm. get the emotional contact as well. Um, and so it, you, you kind of build the rapport, the trust, you build it a lot quicker. Videos is kind of the next step down, I think, because you're actually visually seeing someone and you're listening to them. And then the telephone is kind of the next step down. Um, I think I've gone way off on what you're asking them, but <laughs> it, the, the, the video content does build that rapport. And it kind of does it almost like instantly, because once you've seen someone's face, it does attach kind of. I mean, they might click off it. straight away. Yeah, they might. not necessarily the ours, by the way, but um, <laughs> yeah. Just, just, yeah, in general. <laughs> in general. I I think um, the piece that you've both done on um, 
sort of the talking head in, on uh, why why rates are increasing and what you should be thinking about your renewal. Um, they're only short clips, but it's much more engaging than if you had written that and I had to read two pages of A4 on what I need to do yeah. for my renewal because I'm never ever going to do that but watching a, a couple of minutes video I think has as much more impact so um, no I, I think it's I think it's really interesting I think um, I think the education piece is up there with uh, sort of giving your customer or your prospect what they want when they want in the format they want at a point that that actually helps them and building a business around that is is really key yeah. and you guys and do, do it well when a client is educated when you help them to understand the price doesn't become an, an issue um so that's that's good for kind of any business not just insurance but any businesses once a client understands what they're paying for yeah it's it's yeah, and just, just to add, actually, going and adding to what we were talking about just literally a minute ago, if someone sees a video clip, they're more likely, but actually it depends if it goes into spam, but as long as they <laughs> trust who the video clips come from, they're more likely to open it and look at it if it's, say, 60 seconds, rather than get an email that's going to take them five or ten minutes to read. Yeah. And I think that's really important at the moment because... Ty, everyone you speak to is like, yeah, it's just crazy busy, yeah. uh, similar to you, emails come in all the time you don't really get much post anymore. And that's another kind of avenue that we would look for certain clients where we don't have like an email address or something, or if it's a particular prospect, might send an old fashioned letter. But in general with the videos, because it is literally like a 60 second clip, you can get so much more in that 60 seconds. And it's also, you've got the tone. A lot with emails, you don't yeah. get the tone and it can be taken yeah. the wrong way. Because you're trying to word it in a way that you understand the tone, it might not be reciprocated by the other person. Whereas on a video, it's less likely to have a, a form of confusion over the tone and the content. Mm. And you can also show some more of your personality as well in videos, can't you? And mm. Try to. Try to, yes. <laughs> yeah, and sorry, one other thing as well, actually, then kind of flitting, but when you said talking to someone about commercial insurance isn't always, um, well, it's never at the top of the conversation <laughs> yeah. or forefront, let's be honest, but normally when you, you go and see someone, you just try and make a giggle out of it by saying, yeah, don't, they ask you what you do and you kind of say exactly what you do, but don't worry, I'm not going to talk about insurance. It's fine. Nine times out of ten, they'll talk to you they about ask car claims. Yeah. Like, don't do car, sorry. But then it just opens up the conversation. If you can get someone kind of smiling, giggling, and get them on side straight away, you can then also, just in conversation, go, oh, do you know what? Um, there were a client similar to yours, had this claim a couple of years ago, um, and this was the whole process. It was such a faff or this is what I learned from dealing with that. And you're almost educating them then as well to say, mm. look, you need to think about this, this and this. Um, and really interesting. So really quickly, we, we went on holiday, didn't we? In October, we were lucky to be able to go away actually in October. Um, it had been booked for a while, but just with all the changes that the government made meant we were able this to go that, away. This is 2020, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, and we uh, got talking to this couple. It's our daughter basically befriended their daughter, so they were chatting. And then you kind of do the usual, and you think, oh, okay, so you, you go over and start talking. And actually, we, we did get on quite well, but that we didn't talk about insurance, not until like the second or third day anyway, when they started asking. Um, and effectively, it was 
quite a big building surveyor in a different part of the country. Um, it's near on a hundred grand um, premium. And what kind of sealed it from their point of view was talking about a claim where we went to Leicester uh, to meet the loss adjuster to deal with uh, a tree that had effectively fallen down, gone through a building. Um, and the fact that they'd identified that we'd traveled effectively from near Portsmouth to Leicester and back in a day, um, and we dealt with it from start to finish, basically sold it. We didn't need to do anything else. They were like, here's all the details. Mm -hmm. um, this is what you need to do. If you can do it, you can have it. And they asked all the questions. We, yeah, we, can, we, <laughs> we weren't volunteering to talk about insurance. No, as well. who would? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just as an example, really, and, and it comes back to what Beck said about the stories, um, whether you call it stories, but by dealing with the claims, we've got hundreds and you can relate any claim to anyone you're speaking to. Do you know what? I think this is a really, um, I think this is really interesting. And I think if I was to try and pull together what I think we've said, there are massive changes. Putting the customer at the centre is what at the centre of, of any business environment and trying to solve their problems before you solve your own is critical. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have millions of seed funding to uh, progress. And as long as you can use yourself, your personality and your team to provide good quality advice and education, I suppose, to your, to your industry at, at, at large, the industry that you work within at large, then you're on to a winner as a, from a business perspective, but also from a sort of a personal perspective where you will learn and engage in a way that you probably didn't think of before and it is about that mindset shift from I sell insurance to I'm educating the masses on you know areas that would be relevant to them but they maybe not have thought yeah. about so um, anything you'd like to add yeah do you know what I'd like to say is we're talking about the customer journey we had a prime example of this this week in the business and it's you know kind of it's a bit of, a bit of an out there one really but as a business owner, I think being prepared to let go of some of that ego sometimes. So lots of people say that they put the customer, um, you know, go onto every website and that's there, isn't it? And it, I, I really hate that. <laughs> um, I know we've got it on our website as well, but I think we do do it, but we do it because I believe in it. But um, so, you know, this week it's, and one of our core values is as well as like putting ourselves in the other person's shoes, that comes down to customer journey, putting the customer, you know, the forefront. And we do that, that's for staff and customers, partners, everybody. Um, so the example this week we had, it was a renewal for a, a property owner's policy. Um, we had offered to do a rebuild cost assessment, which is where we check if the sum insured is correct. It's a desktop um, valuation by RICS uh, approved surveyors. So, Unfortunately, the timing, it was kind of in between whilst we were doing the renewal. So the renewal came, uh, the, it renewed. Uh, the RCA report came back and confirmed they were underinsured by, it was about 60%, wasn't it? Yeah. So then we've, uh, you know, we've gone to the insurer, we've got the adjustment premium, the MTA pre premium to uh, make sure the sum insured is correct. We've gone back to the client and said now in the premium it was an additional sort of thousand pounds saying and she was not happy she really wasn't happy and you know one of the members of staff was saying well you know it's they said they wanted the rca but they didn't tell us until late and it was just unfortunate that the renewal came in and obviously we've kind of gone on and we sort of, we let the staff have their vent we took a step back 
We said, okay, well, let's live our core values here, put ourselves in their shoes. Um, they are annoyed, They're, and it was a block of flats as well, so there's eight leaseholders, so they've all pay, just paid their premium, which wasn't cheap. And now we've suddenly, in their, from their point of view, we've gone back and now said, no, we need another thousand pounds. Um, we could have gone, well, actually, yeah, the, the client told us too late and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, they're just going to have to suck it up. But actually, we said, we can understand where they're coming from, and maybe we haven't been the best at communicating. So there's a, a couple of things we've, we've learned from that. We've already put a new process into place. Um, you know, and it, it wasn't personal. This when She wasn't happy, was she? But it, it wasn't personal. She was just venting. People should be allowed to mm. express that. And we also covered the cost of some of the additional premium as a goodwill gesture. And I think, yeah, it's quite important to be able to take that, you know, that ego's there all the time, isn't it? And we, we get protective over our staff, our business. But actually, if we're putting the customer at the forefront and at the customer journey, you know, you have to be willing sometimes to I think you've just hit the nail on the head with what we're talking about. No, it wasn't. I think you've just hit the nail on the head. I think you, that is absolutely what we're talking about here. Um, and there's a place to play for tech. There's a place to play for video marketing. I strongly believe, but I would because it's what I do. Um, there's a place, there's a place um, for all of these things. But actually, taking that step back and going, what is the customer problem here? Mm. not not what's my not what is my solution what is their problem and sometimes there's a divide and being able to recognize that I think is is really important so um I think that was an excellent excellent story to end on I've just got one more thing actually <laughs> sorry I know short for time but um yeah well I was going to say working with uh you Sarah and Boston Tullis what you have definitely done is enhance the very beginning of our customer journey mm. Um, and with the, because normally the customer journey for a lot of people will start when you have that first conversation. But what we've actually done is extend the beginning by sending out content to warm it up to the conversation. And then when the conversation comes, they know a little bit of who we are. They know a little bit of our ugly mugs and they're willing to hopefully talk to us. Um, so what working with you has really helped with that uh, customer journey at the beginning. And I suppose from our side, uh, a question to you really is the, the golden nuggets and advice that you would give to a business that's looking to start a improving the customer journey, but via video content, which is what you specialize in. Mm, that's a great question. I think a lot of businesses, especially the smaller SMEs, probably would have not even thought about video content. We hadn't until we met you. I get asked this question a lot, a lot actually, and I've recently done some webinars with Markel and with Zywave on this type of content. Um, and the, the critical factor that everybody comes up with is <clears throat> how and confidence and also cost. <laughs> well, cost is, is, you know, you can do this on a budget or you can go all out and get drones involved. Um, but COVID's been really kind in terms of helping this type of facility uh, open up. So the chances are every person who's involved in business has had some interaction with Zoom or Teams or Open24 or WebEx or whatever over the last 12 months. And that's literally all you need. So one of the things that we do, and you guys will know, is we do some training runs first, which is literally a conversation. 
open Zoom, press record, have a chat. And that's all you need to be able to do. Um, you can use, um, you probably have got some uh, tech savvy youngsters somewhere in the business that might be able to do some basic editing and top and tailing. If, if that's where your budget is, do it. Um, we offer packages that are um, very cost effective from a talking heads perspective. We offer talking heads whereby you can get four talking heads a month for, you know, varying packages, but definitely worth a conversation. There are lots of people doing doing it. But what you absolutely need to know is it's nothing more than pressing record on Zoom. So if you've got a really good client who's actually a good friend, practice. If you want to practice with me, I love conversations and you can come on the Insurance Brokers podcast and we'll do it together. So I think that probably would be the starting point for me. But what is in your head and how you articulate it is is critical. It's already in your head. So press record and chat about it and then edit the bits where you waffle. There's essentially a nugget of information uh, about how you can get started. And you'll be surprised at, at how relatable that is and how people are drawn to that type of, um, of content. So yeah. that, that is... For us, when, you, when we first started doing this, and we were like, just trust me, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I'm by nature quite a perfectionist. So that was really quite hard to let go of. And like you say, you know, not that you're looking at yourself, you're listening to yourself, it's, you know, it's awful, but, you know, you know us as well, we're, we're either all in or not at all, so, yeah. So you're all in, and, and it's brilliant. All in, <laughs> and it's not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. But would you want it to be, or would you want it to no. be more personable? Yeah. Personable and natural, I think. Yep, personable, nat- natural. Press record on Zoom. That's literally it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. What's the worst that can happen? Well, the, I remember the first video you guys did. Wes had a white T-shirt on, and you were horrified. It's because it was one of your home. Although I've got a white T-shirt on, but it was one of your home ones, wasn't it? That you. I wasn't expecting. Anybody listening, go back and look at where's his white t-shirt on his first video and then make judgments as appropriate. <laughs> go for it's it. because you're always in a shirt, aren't you? He's, yeah. He's usually always in a shirt. So the day that you kind of rocked up into the office wearing t-shirt. your like slummy t-shirt. Yeah. You got bombarded by me going, just press record, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh winning i think that's been a lot of good fun guys and hopefully some some interesting golden nuggets for people listening so if anybody is listening i'd love to know what golden nuggets you took and if you'd like to be a guest on the glowshore business chat or on the insurance brokers podcast please drop us an email all of our contact contact details will be in the show notes so thank you very much guys thank, thank you. you thanks sarah Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.